Hello. Hello, Marilyn. How are you? Good afternoon, Dan. I'm very well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty, pretty good. Good. Yeah. Closing some tabs. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Do you have a good morning? Pretty good. Pretty busy. Pretty busy. That's what you do. If you're busy, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a pretty good day. Yeah? What's up with you? What's going on? Oh, I slept pretty well. That's good. And uh, what did I do today? I, you know, lots of... Summer's crazy. Um, this kind of is uh, somewhat related to our calendar discussion last time. Yeah. <clears throat> Summer's nuts because it's, it's sort of like how I feel about stop signs, where it's like if there's one idiot in the world, one dingling who always runs stop signs, statistically, we'll all be okay. Right. If there was just one guy that did it. Yeah. Or like bikes running through stop signs or whatever. If there's only right. one person in the world who did that. We'd probably be fine. Yeah. You know, when there's, uh, you know, let's say in a town, now you get like you get 20 people that do that. Like mm-hmm. that's getting dangerous. If you get to a place where like half the people in your town just blow through stop signs, people are going to die. Yeah. And it's not going to be, may not necessarily be the people who are doing the running. Yeah. You with me. That's summertime because like everybody's got a slightly weird schedule, whether that's because of childcare or that's because of travel, you know, one person, you know, there's a podcast ecosystem. If you like okay. people do shows with other people, you do a show with me. I do a show with John Syracuse. John Syracuse does a show with Marco and Casey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like when one person has to change that schedule, then, and they have their own summer stuff. Woo. Things get crazy. Right. The ecosystem gets all a flutter. That does that would make for a crazy summer, wouldn't it? Yeah, we're we're, we're going to have as of tonight we're going to have two completed episodes of reconcilable differences done. Like we're recording something that'll come out in a month, which I hate. I hate having an episode that comes out that far late. But that you know that's this is the consequence of summer. What can you do? It happens every year. I can, I enjoy the summer. I enjoy the summer because it means I don't have to. Uh, you know, I still wake up early, but I don't have to fly out the door instantly to get the kids to school. And that's that's nice. I, I relish the summer. I enjoy that. Yeah, summer's good. Summer's weird here. This has got to be the least foggy and cold summer that I, in the, my whatever diggity 18, 19 years I've been here, that I've we've ever had. It's super weird. It's been very pleasant. Because summer there it tends to be more damp and, and actually cool, right? <clears throat> yeah, this is opposite town. <sighs> Everything's backwards. In the winter, it's not warm, though. It's just colder. In the winter, it does get cool. Yeah. We talk about this once a month. I'm sorry. This is really boring. But, um, yeah, so anyway, summer, uh, big summer, huge summer, all as well. So I'm still waking up a little bit. I had two coffees, but I'm still not, not super awake yet. Hmm. I just had some potato salad, and uh, now I'm having a uh, seltzer water. What did you have for lunch today? Today, I had uh, Whole Foods buffet so that was some kind of hundred dollars yeah well uh some kind of curry chicken Mm. uh and some sweet potatoes and uh the kale salad that they have which is you know a compromise at best Mm, yeah you gotta satisfy yeah our family recently jumped onto an internet meme and purchased a kitchen appliance that we're really enjoying are you aware of the, the the internet phenomenon of the instant pot? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. I know I know I've seen pictures of it, uh, and it and I think we I think we have one. 
Yeah. I mean, they're not super expensive. The idea is it's like a pressure cooker, but even more so. Uh, we do of, have a, one. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of it. We've, we've got one in its original box. I think we've had it for at least a year in its box unopened. It's pretty hmm, – that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, did you have a lot of appliances you haven't opened? No. Do you know uh, how many appliances you have? This is the only one, and my wife bought it a long time ago. And I guess there was that point where she was unsure if it was something that we would use and if she really wanted it and so kept it in the the box so that she could return it. But right. then went way, way past the point of return and <laughs> st- it just stayed in the box. And it was in the corner of our dining room and I would joke with her about it. I'd be like, well, at least we got the, at least we got that pressure cooker thing. Mm. So, you know. But she, she got that rock that lights up, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, the sand, salt salt rock, salt rock. This uh, the the marvel of this thing is that well, like I, I really like slow cooker foods. Like uh, we'll make corned beef. My wife makes pretty mean pulled pork. Uh, pulled pulled pork. Pulled pulled pork. But you know when you do it in the slow cooker, you're doing it for you know hours, six hours, which is right. not a, not a bad way to do it. Like for a corned beef, oh brother, you can make a really good corned beef. Um, the primary benefit of the Instant Pot, as it says on the tin, it's Canadian. It's Canadian. But you get the Instant Pot, and it cooks crazy fast. So basically, when you put stuff in there, usually you're cooking on high for right. a certain number of minutes and high high pressure. And uh, it will uh, – it takes a few minutes to get up to temperature. Then you have the amount of time that it cooks properly – and then usually you account for something called natural release. Um, you can have quick release or you can have natural release. Both sound good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, mean, I, I would I would say both would probably be... Any port in a storm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, no man looks down his nose at that kind of gift force. You <laughs> no. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Five-finger discount. <laughs> so uh, the the quick release is kind of a sucker's game. And that's where you're like, okay, I got to get this thing out fast. You flip the dingus and it goes, and, and it shoots out the steam and it <laughs> splatter up like a there, there, there will be blood type situation. Right. The better way is the natural release. So check this out. You're going to make jasmine rice. You put in two cups of jasmine rice, two cups of water, add a little salt and oil if you like that kind of thing. Right. You heat the dingus up. You say, you say, I'm going to cook this for, I'm going to cook this for, uh, uh, I think it's for four minutes. <laughs> you cook it for four minutes. Four minutes, and you get rice. Well, hang on. It's got to heat up. Now, just now, the, your mileage may vary. It's got to get get to hot, which is like five to ten minutes. It cooks for four minutes, and then you do a ten minute natural release. A natural release is where you just stop adding. It's not going to add new pressure. It's just going to kind of uh, draft on the old pressure. And then it, and when you're ready, then you know after so no, so you do well, heating up four minutes, ten minute natural release. But less than like around twenty minutes, you got jasmine rice, buddy. That's really really impressive. I need to check into how long our Zajarushi rice mm-hmm. cooker takes. We have one of those. Is that the one that plays Mozart? No, this one doesn't play any music. Um, it doesn't play any music. Ours. We, we have Zajarushi. When, when, hi. When you hit the start button, it plays uh, Twinkle Little Star. Oh. Ping pong, ching chong, lit pong pong. You must have a newer one than the one that we have. A little racially insensitive. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're asking They're asking for it with that name. They, they, they put the Mozart on there, not me. No. Well, I'm the Salieri. Is yours oh, the, very you got envious. the neuro, neuro fuzzy? Mm, what do we have? 
I put ours. Fortunately, into the I buy show everything notes. from one company, so it becomes easy to do searches. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hate. I hate that I do that. If you told me, oh god, you know, when I was when I was in my twenties, one day ninety nine percent of the stuff that I buy would come from one place, and that I would never leave the house to get it. I would be. I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know. It's it's antithetical, and to I don't my, like it. I don't like it no. that it is that way. Give me other choices. Uh, November, don't be creepy. November eighth, two thousand seven. At which point, our daughter. That's a ten year old, ten uh, year old device. It's a good, it's a good device. We lost the paddle a while back. We Zojirushi. Zojirushi. It sounds like a, it sounds like a Star Trek. Zojirushi NS dash ZCC 18, 10 cup neuro fuzzy rice cooker and warmer premium white. Oh. Boy, that was, that was costly. Oh my goodness. Oh, they are not cheap, but look, they last ten more years. than 10 years, right? Oh yeah. I paid $19 a year for this. That's right. Cheaper than Evernote. Am I right? Uh, you got that, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> and then what, what else was I going to tell you? Okay. Let me see. Uh, November mm-hmm. two th- and so uh, so a couple more quick things on this I don't, I don't mean to advocate for this because there's already like a cult around this thing it is worthwhile to get the uh, pseudo official uh, recipe book which you can get on Amazon it's a very popular book on Amazon here's the other neat thing about it though is it has a saute ability um, which is kind of crazy so we made we've made stew we've made in, in the instant pot we've made stew we've made pulled pork and we've made so for the stew, I wouldn't recommend this because we were using two pounds of meat plus onions, etc. But you can saute right in there, deglaze it with wine, and then start your cooking process with all your mushrooms and your whatnot. If you're doing a lot of that stuff, it's probably just still easier to use it on the range. But that's pretty that's pretty sweet, like mm-hmm. to have saute ability in there. Like with the pulled pork, there's an optional sauce you can make where you can like put it on saute and it will like kind of burn off the water and you get a reduction. What kind of pulled pork does that create in there? I did not love the pulled pork. Uh, pulled pork. It was a 45-minute cook, and I think it was a 15-minute natural release. Which <laughs> that is really pretty awesome. Well, that's a lot I of chafing. That. That's a, that's a, that should not take 15 minutes. They're going to get chafed. Um, <laughs> should have seen Mickey going downhill. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So, oh, they have their foot massages at that place now, too. They're advertising foot massages. You got a big picture of a foot now. Really? Maybe they're just uh, being they, agile. They go, and maybe pivoting. this is the year they go legit. Maybe, yeah. you know, Mike, like Mike tells Kay. Is that legal in that state? No. Oh. <laughs> this is gonna, Kay, this is going to be the year that we finally, in the next five years, we're going to become a legitimate spa. They've got to take it step by step. I'm smart, not like people say. <laughs> I'm trying to find a really cute picture of my daughter in the rice cooker. Instapot. Instapot. Instant pot. Instant pot, uh, which sounds like a weed service. <laughs> so that's what I did. Now, for pulled, now, their pulled pork recipe was, I didn't love it. For their pulled pork recipe, you use like two tablespoons of chili powder, two tablespoons. Don't you know? Check your math on this. So, you know, smoked paprika, smoke, smoked paprika. You've got, um, and it, and then you put like ketchup and apple cider vinegar in it, and it was okay. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, okay, I know that kind of pulled pork. Eh, that's all right. Know, well, I, yeah, I mean, I like I like a barbecue pulled pork. Like you take the pork butt and you you 
put the rub slow, on it. Slow, slow cook slow situation. And, and yeah. smoke all day, probably like 16 hours is what the, one of those takes. And Right. Well, I, yes. And do you have the, do you have the facility to do that yourself? Oh yeah. Oh really? You oh, smoke? Yeah. Oh yes. You get smoked out. I, well. Yeah. That's but nice. Yeah, no, That's I, nice we, uh, we smoke stuff all the time. You got like a green egg? What do you have? No, I have, I'm actually thinking about replacing it with something better, but I've got one of the, uh, one of the sort of, they're almost looks like a little refrigerator. They're tall and they're racks okay. going, uh, up, up inside of it as opposed to the green egg, which is more, I like those. Uh, but this thing is, is nice because you can do, uh, coals or you can do gas and you can do different kinds of, uh, woods, whether you want to do your, your, your pellet woods or whether you want to do chips or even chunks, you can do it all. But the problem is I find that um, it's not – like I have to sometimes cut the rack of ribs in half to get <laughs> yeah. them to fit on one of the shelves. So I don't I don't like that. So what I've been – I'm looking at is one of the true smokers, like the sort of barrel style with the chimney on it. Okay. And the little special place where you – the little cube on the side where you put the, the logs of wood. So that's probably where I'm going to wind up with that. That sounds great. Yeah, I, I recipe wise, I think I really prefer my wife's pulled pork. Yeah, just mm-hmm. her own recipe. You know what she makes in the slow cooker? Like yeah. it's really, it's really good. I, my daughter was, she's pretty sensitive to zestiness. Oh yeah. So she wasn't liking the zesty. Did not like the chili powder, and I thought the ketchup was a little weird. I can't find my picture of my baby in a rice cooker. Was she physically in the rice cooker? We had a weird thing when she was little where we liked to put her inside of things and photograph her. We thought it was funny. Oh, I bet it yeah. was funny. Yeah, I think it's on Flickr. It's impossible um, to impossible to use Flickr anymore for me. I, I hate to say that because I was like I was there boy, it, day it one. It was on the Flickr. original. The original. I think I still paid the twenty something bucks. Oh, and, I do. Uh, yeah, I do. No, you know I do, man. I uh, yeah, it's the worst. Flickr, find your inspiration if you can. Are you searching your photos or everyone's photos? <laughs> There's no way to really know. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Merlin. Welcome back to Flickr. You're paying for this, and it's very difficult to use. Click on the section called You. Now, do a search. Actually, I know I have an album of Eleanor inside other things. Um, hey, listen, like what, what you would do with a kitten, isn't it? Like you take yes. a kitten and put it in, in something. Well, we have a whole. I have. A, if you want, I'll send you my my series. I got a whole series of photos of our cat laying next to things, and the name the name of the photo set is I Can't Pillow. Yeah, I want to mm. see that. Okay. All right. Uh, she was uh, sitting by the Thomas trains yesterday. It was super cute. Well, I'm looking for a picture of a baby in a rice cooker. La la la. Would you be good enough to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about, well, I got a couple things to tell you about, but first one, why don't we make it about Slack? Let's make it about, what? No, Slack sponsored this? Slack sponsored this thing. I use the bejesus out of my Slack. I know you do. I know. Ooh, I'm slacking, slackity slack, slack, slack. I'm all one big slacker. Slack is where work happens these days, isn't it? Slack is, uh, I don't know how we got around without Slack because I use it for everything. I'm actually reading these notes about the Slack sponsorship in Slack because Mm. that's where we we do all our sponsorship stuff so that I can refer back to it and it can be in there. And I mean, it is super, super valuable. I can tell you how I use it with Fireside. I would love to hear how you use it with Fireside. Uh, Because that's where I do a lot of it. Well, 
for, for people. Who, it's not, you don't have to all be there at the same time. No, it's, it's nice so, to know that you can like have your own preferences for how you get notified about things. Right. I'll give you some of my use cases too. Give me yours. Well, uh, using it, Fire, Fireside.fm is the podcast hosting platform that, that I've made and, and launched, I guess, about a year ago. And early on, I had a lot of beta testers trying it out and I needed their feedback because I needed to make it better. I knew that it was good, but I needed people to get in there and use it. And so I had a number of different channels in there set up with general channel, a features channel, you know, and it, it was a place where we could all go and talk through features and create uh, create what it was going to be based on the people who were using it. It was incredibly mm-hmm. useful. And once we got out of beta, I found that it became a really cool place for people to just get in there and, and just talk. So there's channels in there where people are they, they've, you know, people from all over the world are using this thing and now they're friends and they're on Slack and they're talking to each other and they're sharing tips about podcasting and sharing their own shows and interviewing each other and new shows are being born from out of it. Like it's really cool and it still helps with, with support and doing things. And when I come up with a new feature idea, I'll go into the features channel and I'll talk to, to people there and they'll say, Oh, what if, what if it did this? And what if it did this? And so it's very, very collaborative and uh, and I also you know the the people who helped me with design and development were in there all the time, and we can uh, bounce ideas off of each other, and even just for pacing pasting snippets of code or just goofing around. Like there's so much that gets done in there, and it we've eliminated so many emails. It's not even funny. Like it all happens right there. And you know what? If someone's not there right then, you leave them a little message when they when their uh, computer wakes back up or when their iOS device tells them it's okay to receive messages, then they're going to find it and it's right there and you can pick up where you left off. Like it's super convenient. They've got drag and drop file sharing. So you do screenshots of something, you drag it in. Now everyone knows. So if, if there's somebody who's like, hey, you know, this thing isn't lining up right. They just take a little screenshot, paste it into the thing and now we can all look at it. And I mean, it, it you're not, you're not searching Trello. around in folders or expecting somebody to like email it to it's you. So like everything better. is in there. What do you use? What are you doing with that? Well, I mean, one example is I think there's a lot of power in channels. Um, Channels also require a certain amount of discipline on the behalf of the people who run the Slack and the people who use the Slack. But you can like, you you know, like, for example, there's Slacks that I'm on where there's a a channel for like the hosts of shows. Right. And that's business, business, business. You're not supposed to shuck and jive in there. Like and you get a little briefcase reminder if you start shucking and jiving. But then then there will be look at those photos. Can you believe that? That So cute. So cute. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, but no, what I love is I could be on a Slack and like, you know, maybe I want to like pop into the Doctor Who channel, but I don't want to get notifications about it. Right. You know, there might be, there's, there's, um, you know, there's sometimes when I'll look at it on the music channel somewhere, but you know, one great example is I do a program with John Syracuse and that's over on the relay Slack and we have our own little room. And so it's John and me and, you know, Mike and Steven who do the network and our editor, Jim. Who's the best? You know, Jim. And so we uh, all are in there. And so we can just drop a thing in there. I can say, hey, you know, Syracuse, like here's my suggested titles and my draft of the description. And, he, you know, when it suits him, you know, he'll come around and have a look at mm-hmm. it. If he's not on vacation, um, <laughs> he'll do that. And, uh, and but like with Jim, like this, this morning I popped in and I said at here. And please, guys, don't let's not overuse the at here because that notifies everybody in the channel. But I said at here. Hey, just so you know. 
there's all these apps in the folder. Here's the episode number, the date that it comes out. I'll put the ads here, et cetera, et cetera. This all sounds really straightforward now because it's doable now. This did not used to be doable. Yeah. This is, to me, this is, uh, and a lot of people, you know, it's it, if you're used to IRC, you're going to be very comfortable with this. But like, you don't have to be a dork to use this. If you want to put in an emoji, you just type a colon and start typing in. It makes an emoji for you. Although, please add clowns. Please add clowns, Slack. They don't have clowns? I use clowns all the time. They don't have a clown in there. But, you know, that's small potatoes. But you can add uh, your own custom emoji. You could put your own clown oh, in. I, I do it all I the time. Put I a, love uh, custom emojis. I, I put an animated uh, emoji of my software developer uh, who helps me out sometimes. I put uh, his face with the little mouth going, bah, 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 like ah, that. that's and made, good. And whenever he he gets too detailed about something, I just put that emoji in. He knows. A little bit of a gentle collegial ribbing. Yeah. But so, you know, the nice thing is you can go and try this thing out. You don't, you don't have to, you're going to want to pay for this if you're using this for business, 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 because you get a lot of benefits from it. But it's, it becomes, let, let, here, here's the thing. Like any bit of workplace toolage is a word I'm going to make up here. Uh, it depends so much on the culture of your company. Right. And what's nice is with Slack, you can help to really improve the culture of your company. If you're being honest with everybody about how to use it, where it's okay to shuck and jive and stuff like that, it is a fantastic business tool. There's all kinds of stuff going on, like the duck with the legs under the surface of the water. There can be all kinds of channels going on where you just don't need to know what's going on in there, and it's such a relief. And they have threading now, which yep. can make it real helpful. You know, like if we're talking about stuff with spoilers, that becomes a way to like be able to talk about something. There actually is a spoiler tag. But um, anyway, I, I'm a big fan of Slack. And I, I'm on uh, three, four, five, six of them. And I like it a lot. And they've, they've got an app for iOS. They've got an app for everything. And everybody it, works there too. Everybody we know got a job I there. I know, pretty much. Yeah. It integrates with Dropbox, Google Drive, Trello, which is really nice. So like when I complete a Trello, uh, task or someone else does it'll it can notify a channel i mean you name it it's it's got it it's really great and uh they just want us to tell you to go to slack.com s-l-a-c-k slack.com sign up make your own get started and uh go do something fun and awesome thanks slack thank you slack bok bok sent you two photos i sent you a photo from adorable photos Well, it was just to show you the Delta. The one is our infant daughter in a rice cooker making this face. Uh, and then one from yesterday. She made a wiener dog at camp. Isn't that cute? Oh, she's got a. Uh, you can still shirt. see it's her even when she's a little baby. I know. It's so freaking The face is you, there. Do you, do you know? get that with your kids? Oh, yeah. Do you see? Yeah. I have a picture of my boy uh, from late, late in the pregnancy. They did a late ultrasound and got a really good picture like, of his face. You could see the detail of the of his face. And oh, really? Yes. And I was like, wow. And it kind of blew me away. But then like when he was born, a few days after he was born, he was laying there in his little, you know, little thing. And I looked at his face and I then I brought out the picture of uh, of from the ultrasound. And like it was exactly him. Like it's exactly him. And, and like still to this day. If I ever peek in it, I'm sleeping. Oh my it's God. the same exact face, like from the womb. It's crazy. I'm looking at hers. You can see her little ribs. She's got her hand up on her forehead, like going, oh. There's another one where it looks like she's smoking a butt. It looks like she's got a cigarette. Maybe she did. I don't know. She might, she might have been a, a natal, natal smoker. You know, they pick those up off the ground and light them up, mm-hmm. you know, womb or yep. not. It's not getting in her way. Vaping in mommy. <laughs> Rice cooker. Oh, good job with the notes. Yeah. 
we're getting we're getting here. Okay. Um, what else were we talking about? Oh, you had something in here. I noticed. I did. Um. um oh, did I add this or did you add this? A listener sent us a very and I apologize. I don't know the name of the listener. I forget who sent this to us. But we were talking last week about. Um, so, you know, people want to get people want to call this a spoiler. I got yelled at last week because apparently before we called the spoiler alert, we spoiled Spider Man for somebody. Oh no! Yeah. What did we did we say that Peter Parker is actually Spider Man and no, and they didn't know? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You say he but wears a costume because we, that would ruin okay. the whole movie. Well, okay. Look, go look at notes. We talked about something last week. Dan and I were wondering why there is a. A pow- power. Oh, the, the, that. That's not. That didn't. Who complained about that? I didn't follow the link. Um, I read. I read the article that they sent, but I didn't know that. I that we didn't. Root. Don't you ever get hypocrisy watch from people? I got hypocrisy watch last week, where John Syracuse and I talked about how to do full media blackout so you avoid any information about something you want to watch. Right. And this person was kind enough to point out that they listened to me at one time talk about full media blackout and then talk about how I spelled Spider Man for them with you, <laughs> and they sent me examples so that I could know what a terrible person I am. Okay, well. Welcome to Hypocrisy Watch. Yeah. You've done two different things at different times. <laughs> I'm mad. You changed your opinion about something <laughs> right. and became you, a better you person. You did something different than you did one other time in your life. You quit being a butthole on purpose <laughs> and now I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Repeal and replace. <laughs> <sighs> Big week. <laughs> yeah. Big week. He's not going to own it. Anyways, uh, well, so anyway, I there's an article. There's an article that is follow up about something that apparently very, we can't talk about. We can't talk about because, but it's a very uh, sensible article. They basically just said, you know what, we're just going to we're going to leave this out, and they did, and it worked out fine. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, this can I piggyback onto some listener feedback that's relevant to this? Yes, and then if 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 there is time, I would like to, in a spoiler free way, talk about War for Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's fine. Why don't we leave that for the uh, the smaller smot at the end? All right. Yeah, we got time. We got time. Okay. Hey, you changed the time, so I got time. Okay. I just got to I got to be home for a dude. Okay. No problem. Um. Da, 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 we got got a two parter this week from listener Greg. I'm going to jump straight into part one from listener Greg. Thank you, listener Greg. Listener Greg writes question: Colin. I got a nine-year-old son and want to get him started on Spider-Man comics. Spoiler alert, Spider-Man is a comic. What series do you suggest starting him on? Would you suggest going digital or paper? This seems like a topic you may have covered. I think this is a very good question. I do have an answer. I actually have several answers, but I have one in particular. Dan, as a longtime fan Mm. of the man who is Spider, what would you suggest to listener Greg to get his nine-year-old son started with the Spider-Man? First of all, I love that he asked this question. Because my son is nine and wants to get into Spider-Man. And so (gasps) the answer is the same thing that you already put into the show notes. No. Yes. And and, and absolutely. And and can I can I say what you put in here? Yes. Can I just clarify this so we don't have to correct ourselves and get yelled at? It's going to be cut this out. You know, it's 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 not ultimate comics. It's ultimate. You know the difference, right? Yes. Dan, what would you suggest to listen to Craig for getting his nine-year-old son, like your nine-year-old son, yes. excited about the Spider's Man? It, it is Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man. Brian uh, Michael Bendis. V- Bri- Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis. BMB. And, and he wants to get 
volume one, which is what you linked. I have also um, putting in a link so you can get it on Amazon because it's very affordable. It's seventeen bucks, but check your local but it's comic. Like, it's like a year. It's like a year of comics. It's a in year one thing. of comics in one book. Check your local comic store uh, first and support them if you decide to get it in print. Please support your local comic store. Yeah. It is so it is so hard right now for local comic stores. It's sad how hard it is. Yeah, right now. I would rather them do that than us get the little affiliate. But if you can't find it locally or you you don't want to go uh, get it locally by all means you know use use the link but uh this it's called power and responsibility it's brian michael bendis and what this is is i i will say without a doubt a the best uh origin story of spider-man but it's much much more than an origin story it it goes through spider-man becoming spider-man but then also exploring his power seeing what happens uh, and eventually you know becoming a true hero and and it's a long arc like you said it's like a year and there are more volumes but this is by far the volume to to get to get started because it's a wonderful story so well written amazing art the neat part the neat part about it is like all all the ultimate comics I guess BMB did a bunch of them. It's like it was a neat opportunity for somebody who was a, a lifetime comic fan to say, "Well, if I were starting this over, how would I do this?" Right. Retaining all the things that are great about this, but maybe updating it a little bit, maybe making it more sensible and less less shaggy at first. And and I think he does a terrific job with that. Absolutely, and it's such a wonderful story. It's a personal story, which is you know what Spider Man's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about Peter Parker. It's not about saving the the you know world a million times. It's it's small small things that happen in New like, York like, City. Like the movie, it's right. you know it's 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 a small story, smaller. But story. that that makes it even better. And this is this is the correct way to get started. And you dump all the baggage of all the other versions of it. And this, by the way, this is Peter Parker. This is not. Um, Miles Morales, because uh, which is my number two suggestion, right? Which is also a great uh, story as well. But I just wanted to clarify that because there's there's Ultimate Comics, uh, Spider Man, also, also BMB. I think with I want to say Sarah Pacelli. I think you're right, uh, but mm-hmm. that she's is, amazing. Her Tumblr is so good. That is different. And it is that, and but here's the and so let's let's cut to the chase here. On well, oh, why don't oh duh, why don't you suggest Amazing Stories fourteen or whatever? It's like well, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. You could go out and buy, you know, Marvel when they have the sense to keep, put them on store shelves has trades of any of the old comics. I, I have a wonderful box set that my uh, my internet friend Dan, my other internet friend Dan, uh, crowdsourced the purchase of, which is a this giant Avengers building of tons of hardcovers of the original Marvel comics. So there's like very a, cool, fan, oh so great. So anytime we want to go back and refer to like you know Hulk. Uh, Avengers, whatever you look in there. But everybody knows that. Everybody knows to start there. The question here is like, what if I am new to this? Where do I start? That's the thing. When people ask you that question, don't say, listen from the beginning. I think it's so helpful to say, well, check this out. You know, if you like this, there's a pretty good chance you'll like this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think if you like Ultimate Spider-Man, that transitions nicely into Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. I agree. Um, those are really great. And then there's also, we could eventually, I don't know if we want to do it now, but there's tons of great story arcs of Spider-Man um, out there. There really are. I mean, it's, it's a one, but what I, one thing I wanted to say about ultimate Spider-Man is there are a lot of people, myself included, when this first came out, I kind of, of intentionally avoided it and kind of said, mm-hmm. you know, 
I don't want I know the story of Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man. I don't really want to go through yet another origin story. No, thank you. And so I kind of ignored it for a while until I really heard people just talking about how great it was. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give this a shot. Maybe I can just muddle through the origin part of it and get to the part where it gets good. Boy, was I wrong. It's such a, it's even if you know the story, they do it in such a way that it still feels really fresh and really, really good. And that's, that's, you know, BNB at his, at his best, really. And, and also when you say BNB at his best, also, you know, you, you love the guy, but it's as BNB stories go, I, if I remember correctly, it's fairly compressed. Yes. Some of his stories can get a little <laughs> bit like not much happened in those pages, yeah. but those are great. And, and let me, let me be sentimental and let me be uh, a little bit dorky and say, uh, hey, here's what I would do. Why don't you do this? Go to your local comic shop. Establish a relationship with them. If they're cool. Like in my case, Two Cats Comics, 320 West Portal app, they're the best. Like we're just, we love that place. Um, please buy comics at a store. You can go to comicshoplocator.com and that will help you find nice. your LCS, your local comic shop. You can just, don't be creepy, but you go in and it will help you find a comic shop near you. It might take a couple I mean, if you're stuck like in, you know, someplace that only has one and that's the one you go to, but like you will, f you can find a place where they're really great. And really here, here's, do me a proper, consider going to this comic shop and saying, do you have this ultimate Spider-Man that I would like to get? And they, there's probably an okay, good chance they might have it if they, if they have a lot of trades. If they don't have it, order it, be nice, let them pay for that copy, get the nice hard copy or whatever, the large trade from them. Cause now you got something you and your kid can read together and they also have their first like big kid comic book that they get to keep now right that's kind of neat now there's a lot to say especially with stuff like marvel unlimited marvel unlimited is a really good deal if you read a lot of comics marvel unlimited you pay i don't even know what i'm paying i think it's ten dollars a month but basically marvel unlimited it's almost all of their comics asterisk 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 that's older than six months you can get so much stuff you can have like i think 10 at a time on your device like if you're going to be on a plane and, you know, it does suck a little bit that they're mostly floppies. Like, you don't get, or, you know, single issues. You, you don't, you can't get like the uh, trade collection most of the time. But there's lots of great stuff in there. If you end up liking that, yeah, you could look into stuff like, yeah, I guess Comixology or what have you. But um, please support your local comic shop. They work really hard under, like, uh, there's an article I read this week that just had me so depressed about what's going on with comic stores and the com the big two and uh, really big three uh, in general. And, like, how it is such a difficult environment. And it's, it's so paradoxical and sad that the biggest movies, some of the biggest movies are based on comic books at a time when what's happening in the comics industry as a publication platform are still like it's it's basically like the worst of like the mob right and just the balancing act i, I won't go through all this because it's boring but the balancing act that an lcs has to go through is really difficult they have to order months like weeks or months ahead of time the exact number that they want they can't return them if you know it, basically this article i read was about how difficult it is to get to a point where you can put out a trade a trade paperback, which can usually is like five or more issues. And a lot of people like me like to buy comic books that way. But there's so many comics that never get, by the time they're deciding, you know, you're looking at the solicitations for months away, many very promising titles get canceled before the point where they could even have five mm -hmm. issues. They don't get to build a base because they've got to make everybody in that entire chain has to decide if this is worth doing. So like if people don't buy it, 
the comic shop's not going to order it. If people don't pre-order it, the comic shop's not going to buy it. If the comic shops don't buy it, Diamond's not, you know what I mean? It yep. goes all the way yep. up and then it's like, okay, where'd, where'd Black Panther go? What happened to Mockingbird? Like there's all these things where you're like, that was really promising. And you start to see like it's, it is, it's like rarer than becoming a rock star in the 50s to be able to like have a success with this unless it's a known quantity. Marvel's not going to let you go create your own characters because then you get to own some of it and they're real jerks about that. It's just, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to rant, but I, I love Minds. I love Two Cats Comics so much. I love the people there. And I know all it's rough for everybody right now. So no, I'm, I feel I apologize. I, I to, no, I, I totally agree with you. We've got Austin Books and Comics here in town, and I go there at least once a week. And it's a great shop. It's got everything. And, and it's, you know, it's always busy. And there's always people coming in and out, buying stuff. And even with all that, I imagine that it's not like it was five, ten years ago, you know, um, so yeah, I, 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 in answer to his sort of part B, uh, should I get this on digital or not? Like, yeah, I get it on digital if that's the way you really consume stuff. But if you have a good shop in town and you want to support the industry and support the creativity that really has been the genesis for all of these movies that we love so much, uh, buy, buy it in print and keep it and get a trade paperback version of it like we like to because that, you know, these yeah. are the kinds of things that... I enjoy reading many times. I mean, the, the stories that make it into a trade paperback, those those are the good ones. And they're worth keeping and worth reading and reading again. When you find mm-hmm. that you've forgotten about it, you can go back and pick it up. And yeah, yeah, sure, you could do that on your iPad too. But I don't know. I mean, I know that a lot of the artwork today is done on computers, but... I still love holding something that's, that was real that maybe someone used a pen or a pencil to draw. I don't know. I like that. And oh, I, I totally that. agree. This morning, my daughter declared that uh, this changes about every two weeks. She's always declaring her next Halloween costume. As of this morning, she's going to be um, <laughs> Viv Vision. She's going to be the Vision's daughter. Oh, nice. <laughs> not, that's going to be a lot of work. That's yeah, a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I used your... she, said, she said, I could be Vision, but I have to either shave my head or wear like a bald wig. Yeah, let her shave her head, I say. I'm totally into it. Hermione, Hermione's a lot easier because you just curl her hair at night and then it's, <laughs> it's done. big the next day. <laughs> Could have her fourth, fourth year of Hermione, but instead <laughs> it's going to be a uh, vision. I used your comic shop locator and found that there are six comic stores within uh, about eight miles of, uh, of my office. So, wow. Yeah, I didn't know. And, and some of these I have not heard of. Let's see what I got here. But that's got a two lot. Two Cats Comics, 320 West Portal Avenue, Comics, Experience Outpost, Amazing Fantasy. That place is great. Um, cards and Comics Retail, whatever. Whatever so great. In the Castro. If you're in the Castro, go to whatever. They have the best stuff. They have trades. The people there are really nice. Every time I go there, they grab a handful of free Comic Book Day comics and give it to my daughter. They're so nice. Oh, yeah. Look at all that. Comics are good, Dan. Mm-hmm. So what are the ones you don't <laughs> <laughs> the ones you don't start with. Uh, the the clone one? Yeah, don't start with clones. Don't start with... Um, Spider Island? I liked Spider Island, but it seems like it would be a strange... You'd want to have some catalog going into yeah, that. Yeah, um, that seems like a strange jumping in point. Maybe don't start with the mind swap. Don't... No, oh, I it mean... Ended, it ended better than we expected. Yeah. But... That's still... Very interesting, but you got to have some catalog to really enjoy that. Ah, uh, what about Brand New Day? T- 
time period. Oh, yeah. Um, this, Brand new day. Good. There mm-hmm. was a one more day storyline in the Spider-Man Why do they do this world. to it? Death in the family, death of the family. Oh, my God. And then, uh, then after that, they did Brand New Day, which is a long, I think it's like more than a hundred issues. Um, and, and, but what they did, what Marvel did is they dropped all of the other Spider-Mans. I think they had 317 other Spider-Man titles at the time. <laughs> they had uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Sensational Spider-Man. Sensational Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Um, they had, you know, I don't think Webb was going anymore, but yeah, they had all of these other ones and they canned all of them and just did this one, but they increased the number of times per month that it came out. So instead of being once a month, it was like two or three times a month. Uh, but this this would kind of be interesting, I think, as as far as a more adult kind of storyline. Not to say that Ultimate Spider-Man is for kids. It's not. But this is this is more like, okay, you've got Spider-Man. He's deep in the Marvel Universe. There's a lot of things that are going on. Whereas Ultimate Comic Spider-Man is more in a... It is in a separate universe almost. Uh, yes. So, so if you want main universe Spider-Man, this maybe is a, a good jump in point. Yeah. I don't know. This, is, but this was preceded by um, One More Day. Yes. And before that, they had One Day More. Which no. Which when, when he and his daughter have to leave town because they're being chased for stealing bread. No. One Day More. <laughs> Mm. Another day, another destiny. But avoid the avoid the clone saga stuff. <laughs> Don't do anything with clone saga. Don't do the other. The other is not good. Don't read that. Um, yeah, I'm going to get emails, but sure. Support your local comic store. They're nice people. What do we get? So we got. The, what did we pick up last time? We got the vision. We picked up, you know, actually, I, this is so embarrassing. Um, NPR had this list of uh, 100 great comics. Mm. And what, did I, what was I in there looking for? It might have been you saw, uh, um, what's your rabbit one called? Usagi Yojimbo. It might have been that one. It might have been, oh, you know what I was looking for? I was looking for Darwin Cook's DC, oh, it's one of, it's one of those great Darwin Cook, like every DC character is in this. And Aaron's like, yeah, we're out of that. Like everybody's been coming and asking for that. And I was like, uh, you know why? <laughs> NPR. What did they? What, what were they talking about? What happened? Well, NPR. You know how it is. I mean, it's like how I learn about music from freaking Prairie Home Companion right, now. Right. It's so sad. Like I'm my own grandfather. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now he's like, oh, I see. That's why. That's why all the interest. Darwin Cook. That was a sad story. The way he died. It was really quick. You know who I'm talking about, Darwin Cook? Yeah, and he's done a ton of stuff. He Wasn't did, he, he did an the, artist, oh, he did too? Before or Watchmen. He, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The DC, where is it? Darwin Cook, DC. Oh, look at it. I mean, that's such a classic, playful look. What are you, you looking know? at? What are you? What well, are just you uh, like Darwin Cook, the way he draws, it's like, it's... It's very stylized, but it almost sometimes almost reminds me of like old Disney comics mm-hmm, in a good way. Mm-hmm, yep. He's got he's got such a like a, a wonderful style. That's probably enough about comic books for this week. Yeah, I I loved his style and that was it's one of those styles that where when you see it it's instantaneously recognizable. Mm-hmm. Because it has it looks modern but it's retro but not too retro. Um just great. 
and and you might not know. It's one of those things that you'll say, "Oh, I didn't know that was him." Oh, he did that. I didn't know that. Right. Very right, good right. stuff. Very good stuff. I'm looking at it now, and uh, yeah, very influenced by I would say probably maybe 40s, but pretty definitely 50s yeah. comics. Yeah. But it's not it's not too cute. Darwin Cook, R.I.P. Good Canadian. Oh, the Watchmen stuff was good too. Mm-hmm. Like the way he draws them. Anyway, comics are good. Check them out. He does a good Silk Spectre. There's an article here um, remembering Darwin Cook's Catwoman where they have gone through and done a really cool, I'll put it into the show notes too, a uh, really cool collection of just his art style around how how he would draw things. and It's so cool. I'll just put that in the show notes. Why not? Perfect. We got, we got space. I'll see if I can... See if I can find this article I was reading. Um, what do you feel like talking about this week? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. More Spider Man, I guess. I want. Well, yeah. I, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the Apes. Movie, the Apes. But I mean, we can do that. All right, well, what do we do? We, we could do maybe one. Um, let's see. What we got here. We got listener Molly. Yeah. Uh, had a very difficult question. I like that. Yeah, let's do that one. How do you remember that? Did you read Listener Molly's question? Yeah. Out of your element, Molly. Um, okay, it came, so in, came in in mid-July, and I read it. Listener Molly writes to say, um, how do I, this is kind of long. If you have time, one does question. She works at customer service of a mid-sized company in the process of transitioning to a new system to run all of our ordering input, jumping down. Some of the changes will be improvements, but many that we keep hearing about will make certain tasks very difficult for groups like mine. Based on my current experience working in this position, they will definitely make things more difficult for our customers. Uh, all the customer complaints that resort from these changes will fall to my group. So she feels kind of like powerless right. to to affect this change. My direct manager, my colleagues have voiced our concerns, tried to explain to those in charge of the transition why some of the ideas they propose could have a high negative impact on the company and our customer base. We feel like no one is listening to these concerns, which is obviously frustrating. And since we've already tried explaining the negative impact, I'm not sure that we can what we can do when the changes are implemented. To make a long-winded story short, my question for you is this. Besides fighting the urge to say, I told you so, how do you deal with the sort of trained hopelessness that comes with trying to tell someone, especially a supervisor, that a change will be a problem? Having said change, become a problem, and then being the person who has to deal with the fallout. Ouch! What are the ways that you can revisit those issues with the powers that be? And how could you approach your arguments differently in hopes that trying to have the conversation again will change someone's mind? So you got the down... Well, and uh, let's be fair. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming everything that she says is true and accurate mm-hmm. and that she does know things. Because, you know, in my experience, customer service is a really good example for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is the customer service people have a a lot of experience dealing with the most problematic parts of the company. They know what comes up a lot and they know how people feel about that. And then second, and very related, they're the ones who have a direct line of input from your customers like nobody else has. Do, right? So far, so good? So far, so good? I mean, your whiteboards will not survive reality. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Capture, um, capture that, Merlin. 
Uh, <laughs> quickly capture that. Uh, no, I mean, you know, and again, I'm not trying to make anybody the hero or the goat, but I mean, some of the companies I feel like I have the most respect for are the ones who put like ridiculous amounts of resources into customer service, not because their product is bad, but because their product is good. Mm-hmm. And at, in a time when software and services, software in particular, I mean, yeah, it's a tough racket, right? I mean, you, if you're going to charge more than a couple bucks for your app, people are going to, if it's free, people are going to write to you about it. Like, what are you going to do? And the more mission critical what you do is, the more your customers are going to need you at times when things go terribly wrong, even if it's not your fault. And the best companies out there know how to deal with that. And they have, they will spend and react in a way that keeps their best customer people around. Because I think for a long time, people thought of that as being like fast food work. Like there's going to be churn. You get somebody in here to answer the phones. You flip to the right tab in the binder. But like the institutional knowledge of somebody who's been in customer service for a while is, is so invaluable. So first shout out to listener Molly and her team doing customer service. Dan, do you have any thoughts? You're an entrepreneur. You mm. have uh, you have minions. How would, what, do you have any thoughts on how, how Molly could approach... What is her next step in trying to prevent something that she thinks prevent or repair something she thinks will be really damaging? Well, and I mean, she's trying to create a better future for herself. If you think about it, she's trying to say, I see problems coming here. I know I'm the one that's it's the same same thing that when your kids say, we want a guinea pig, we want a cat, we want a dog. You're like, okay, I know I'm the one that's going to be cleaning the litter box or whatever that the kids say they'll do it, but it's not going to be that way. This is going to fall on to me. But I guess we have this animal anyway in our house, and now we've just got to do it. I feel like, in a way, all she can do is carefully, in a, in a helpful way, and it sounds like she's done it, express that she has concerns about this. And she says, you know, she feels like no one is listening to the concerns. And yes, that is frustrating. Um, but it, it sounds like this is happening, and she's going to be dealing with it. And mm-hmm. she, she, you know, obviously, like she says, I told you so. Well, yeah, I mean, saying that doesn't, it, it, that's not a, a good thing to say. It's not a good attitude to have. And that, that, that's never helped a situation. It's never helped. I and I, I'm tempted by it multiple times every day. And it, it, it makes things worse always. It always does. And I don't know if there's a solution other than the fact that like in, in some ways, you know, and we were, ta- we were talking about the summer at the top of the show. You know, during the school year, it's more pronounced where you just sort of have there's things that you just have to do, you know, in order to be here in this house with these people, you know, uh, there are certain things that we all need to do to just get along and get by. And some of those things are not cool. And some of those things add frustration or tedium or difficulty to our life. But guess what? We this is this is where we've chosen to be. Uh, I, you know, it's a cop out to say, well, you could just quit and get a new job. No, because it sounds like she likes her job. Otherwise, she wouldn't be concerned right. about this problem. She wants to make she cares, it better. She, and she cares about her customers and her team. And she's trying to sort of bulletproof the situation in a way to say, look, I see this thing is coming and let's try and get out of the way of it. And we can't seem to get out of the way of it. And mm-hmm. I, other other than the fact of saying, you know what, A, it, it might not be as bad as you think. Uh, and B... All you can do is what you have done. I don't think there's a way to convince anyone of anything, especially in the bureaucratic red tape of the corporate world. I, I don't. I don't think one person. I wish I wish I had matters. a more encouraging answer than that, yeah. and I don't, because everything that I could think of that would have been useful if they invited you to an earlier meeting 
<clears throat> would not be I mean, it's like whatever John Cleese or whatever says. The, the last time you want to think about whether you should jump over a, a you know, jump jump over off a cliff is like when you're in the middle of jumping off a cliff. Like if this is already a done deal, providing careful data about why you think this change is not a good idea, well, now you're just going to make people mad. Right. And they're going to think you're disloyal. Right. Right. If it's happening two or three levels above your pay grade, it might just be too late. And now it is going to be more about amelioration or, you know, also, you know, another side of this to take it and turn it is that for listener Molly is like, well, whatever comes next, this is not a satisfying answer. And I'm so sorry. Whatever comes next, that's your job. That's where you work. They pay you. Right. And to be really effective, be prepared to uh, stuff your sorries in a sack. Be be prepared. Be prepared to walk away from the emotional attachment right, you have right. to how this has gone. And that does not feel good to say. But think about what the alternative is, because all you're going to be thinking now for the rest of your time there is I told you so. Mm-hmm. So maybe try and have fresh eyes on where things are now. You know, I, I mention that kind of thing a lot because that's a problem for me. Like all of us, I get very emotionally attached to how I felt about something the first one to three times. I became aware of it. Right. Well, consider that maybe it's not as bad as you think, but even if it is, now your job is still your job. And your job is to advocate for your customers. Um, it's hard not to have a sense of dread, sort of waiting for that hammer to fall and screw up in this way. You're pretty sure that it will. But consider that life is an engineering problem. And like maybe there are other ways that you can get at improving this for your team. This sounds like such BS, but I don't know another way to do it. There, I mean, well, there did, really did, did, isn't. There really isn't. But what it comes down to, I think, is that um, that change is hard for people, you know, and that if if she had just been coming into the job today with all this new stuff implemented, you know, I doubt that she'd say, well, I'm not going to work there because this thing sucks so much. I don't think she would say that. It's the fact that it was one way and now it's becoming a different way and she has no say in it and there's a feeling that we all have in Mm -hmm. a situation like that which is my opinion my thoughts my experience don't matter and so that's a a, that kind of feeling it makes you feel like you're not really valued right it makes you feel like you're like you're the person who has to do the work and you know what's going on and then yet it's you're being ignored and I actually and now, you, now you've got Cassandra, now you've got Cassandra complex because oh, you feel right. like you can see the future but are unable to change anything about right. it. Right. I've been in similar situations where I was writing documentation um, for for software, and you know there is a certain kind. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus because I was never good at any of my jobs. But one, uh, there's a certain kind of dark pattern in. Um, somewhere between project management and development where you say like, okay, this thing needs to get out by this date. Like uh, the project triangle has spoken. This thing needs to happen. So this is going to ship as is and we will fix it, quote unquote, with a combination of, well, number three, like bug fixes down the line. Number one, what we used to call blah, blah text in the app to help you understand how to do it. And number two, documentation. And nothing sucks quite so much as being the person who has to write documentation that isn't really ready. Mm -hmm. Because what do you say? I mean, do you you know, it's funny because sometimes you'll see this inside of apps. You'll see, I'm thinking in, I want to say either editorial or drafts. There's a really funny button that's like, do not, never touch this unless this developer with this name and this shop hash has told you to hit this button. (laughs) Because it will blow everything up. 
But like when you're in that position of having to like accommodate uh, mm, poor, when you're trying to accommodate like stuff that's not really fully baked or doesn't work intuitively with a combination of blah, blah text and, you know, documentation without saying straight up in a big black box, like this isn't done yet. Don't, you know, don't depend on this feature. Right. You know, I think it it becomes a kind of um, team, if not corporate, at least team Mm whack-a-mole where like the constraints with time and budget end up getting pushed into these other places. And in this case, I'm sorry, I'm ranting about this because I think that's what she's kind of bracing for is this idea that if if this change comes along, like our job's already hard to do, but now that job is going to become perhaps untenable because we know enough about how our customers react to these things that this change is going to be disruptive and anger-making. And so now we've got to just be ready for that. So if that is true, like what is, if it ends up being true, like what is, is there an opportunity in any of that? Right. What is the opportunity? It's going to be hard to know until it happens, I guess. But like all I can say is for your own sanity, um, I would not, it's a second era situation. I would not make this worse than it has to be. in, In the sense that like, you know, I, I, he, I see, uh, Molly, I hope you know, I so hear your frustration on this. I feel your frustration on this, but give yourself a week to emotionally unhook from that and say like, well, what happens is going to happen in this case. And I will do the best I can to deal with that. And like, if this place becomes a, you know, a total garbage fire, maybe I'll leave, but it's still the company. You can still do good things. You will probably survive this. And you will be best suited to help yourself and your team and your customers if you're not too emotionally cleft to uh, the way this was presented and deployed. Nice. What else can you say? Nothing. Ugh. (sighs) I've been on the other end of this where I actually had a job to build software that was going to be brought in to replace these other things that were happening in a you know, like, oh, we'll use this and this and this and this process. And then, and, and I was hired to like build a thing that I would then implement. Then everyone would have to use it in the department. And there were a lot of people who probably felt the same way that like, why are we having to change this when it works fine? Why are we having to use this new tool that none of us asked for, that none of us wanted to, to use? So I, I've seen this kind of thing happen. And I've been on the end, the other side of it of like, okay, I'm supposed to make this tool and like get people to actually use it. And hopefully it'll be better than the old process. But there are people who just they simply like the way that things are and, and don't find a, a fault with it. And there's actual opposition a lot of the time when something like that gets rolled out. I remember one time they rolled out this, uh, this time tracking mm-hmm. system that we used to use like a spreadsheet and it was very easy to do. And then they rolled out this incredibly complicated, like Java-based, awful application that we had to use. It was always dropping its database connection. And it was just a nightmare to use. But like, if we didn't use that, our hours wouldn't get billed. We wouldn't get paid. And it was right. like, it took probably 45 minutes at the end of every day to go in and, and minute by minute put in what we'd worked on that day. And it was it was nightmarish. But, you know, like, what choice did we have? It was the thing we had to do, and now that's what we had to do. And it it sucked, but eventually you just get used to it. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that. I mean, as somebody who has always been at the lower echelons, wherever he has been employed, I, I feel like I've seen that a lot. I saw that when I, oh, God, I wrote this terrible FileMaker Pro database for this company 
uh, in the 90s. It was so bad. But I just remember I, – I see. so from my point of view as the person who makes the FileMaker Pro database, I would think in this very – fairly arrogant way. Well, like I'm the guy who understands the computers. I tell you how to use the computers. But like there's all kinds of little hidden caches of information and culture that you don't know about until it's too late. Unless you think to ask about it first. It could be really dumb stuff. Like I was watching a guy make my sandwich yesterday and thinking about like how he could probably improve the movements of like what he does and be more efficient. And I watched him for a while mm-hmm. and I saw how then I thought started thinking, well, you know, this is the store that he's got. And he will make two sandwiches at a time and wrap two sandwiches at a time. <laughs> right. And you know what? He knows his business better than I do. I could come in there with some computer model, but that's the store that he's got. Right. He does, that's the hand that he was dealt. And so the problem is, whether it's this registration database or how you put your hours in, you know, it does, if you've got it in the budget, like make room in the budget to ask the actual people who will use this stuff or will service or support this stuff, like for a reality check. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, sometimes it's already such a house of cards to do, do your job and you find one little thing that your boss has managed to not screw up yet. <laughs> and it could be something as simple as we all fill in this spreadsheet and then we take turns putting it in the Java database because it's actually just easier to just do it in a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's sort of like desire paths, you know, where you watch where people walk and then pave that. It kind of makes – doesn't kind of make – it makes so much sense to go to the people and ask them what their experience of it is without assuming that they are – belly acres and and lard bricks and malcontents mm-hmm. like ask ask them about what life is like on the front lines of your company you know um and i guess people feel like they do that but i do feel sometimes like there is like a fair amount of arrogance maybe on everyone's part of assuming that you have the most clear-eyed view about how the company works when really you're all just grabbing a different part of the elephant good or camel if you're a pearl programmer Mm-mm. hmm <clears throat> Dan, would you be good enough to tell me about uh, one more thing that you like? Sure, I'll tell you about Blue Apron. Blue Apron! Number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. Done. Mm. I mean, if you want me to say more, I will. I don't know why you need to say more, uh, but, you know, n- number one. I have a big foam finger with a Blue Apron on it. I'm holding up right Do now. Do you really? One. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about Blue Apron, Dan. What's the deal with them? Blue do, Apron. Do they, do they, they send you? What do they send you? What is, what is it you get? So here's what they. This is this mm. is a it's a system, really. If you think mm. about it, platform. It is a platform upon which you make really good meals. They have established partnerships with uh, local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. And they send you food and recipe cards. You then use the food to make the recipe that is explained on the card so what you wind up with is a meal that is delicious looks good and that likely you never in a million years would have made on your own before because either you thought you couldn't do it you didn't know where to start uh or or other reasons that are uh have to do with your your own concept of what can be made in the home and this is the thing that they really do well and that they push the boundaries of what you thought you could do and the kind of food that you thought you could make in your own kitchen. It's, it doesn't have to be grilled cheese sandwiches, hot dogs, and potato chips all the time. You can actually make really, really high-quality food. It's made with the best ingredients because that's what they send you. And the beautiful thing about it is there's really no waste. They send you just exactly the amount of food that you're going to need to make these meals and the meals are delicious and they really do turn out 
the way that they look on the card. It's it's not a it's not a joke like, oh, I could never make that. No, you will make it and it will be fun. And it winds up being under ten dollars per person for mm-hmm. a really delicious meal. So it's actually really affordable to do this. And it's shipped right to your door. You don't have to go out to the store and say, oh, what are you going to make tonight? I don't know what we're going to make tonight. You do this and you can do it with your family. You can do it with your friends. And it, it makes cooking an actual fun thing as opposed to a stressful thing. And you don't wind up just eating like a frozen pizza every night. Um, Dan, I, I am c- – candidly, I am so tired of thinking about food. I'm so tired of talking about food. I'm so tired of like relitigating the food situation. <laughs> and one thing that's nice about Blue Apron is they're going to they're gonna send you some stuff and, you, and you're going to make it and it's going to be good. And you're not going to have to, to fiddle and wonder. Like there, there are no bad – they're all good uh, recipes. Yep. Brant, <laughs> thirteen out of ten. <laughs> what kind of recipes are they uh, they thinking about right now? Seared, any, uh... seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash mm-hmm. and sweet peppers. Uh, creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges. Fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and uh, cubanelle pepper. Did I say that? Isn't right? that fun to say? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I had the same read for rectives. I love I love reading their recipes. It makes me so happy in my heart. And you can, yes, you can, you can make so many great things. They never repeat the recipe. So it's not like they send you the same one every other month. It's different all year, all around. And, uh, and it's fun. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. You're building bonds. You're creating friendships and love with the family and friends that you have, strengthening them. It's a wonderful thing. It's about bringing people together. It's about helping people, I think. That's what it's like Fast and the Furious, right, Dan? It's really ultimately about family. (laughs) That's right. So go to blueapron, blueapron.com slash back to work, and you will get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Again, the place to go to get all that, blueapron.com slash back to work, your first three meals for free with free shipping. Blue Apron, Merlin, it's a better way to cook. It's a better way to cook. Thanks, Blue Apron. Buck, buck. <clears throat> Dan, at this point, let's uh, let's turn on the uh, the spoiler horn. We're going to Dan. Dan, tell me what we're going to talk about. I'd just like to talk a little bit about uh, War for Planet of the Apes, and and we can do it in a non spoiler way if we want. Oh, forget it. Have yeah, you seen well, it? I mean, Did you see it? No. Here's okay, what I'm going to say. I won't spoil it. No, no. I, yeah, I'm not. I mean, my daughter really wants to see it. You can you can tell me about it. But listen, if 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 it's important to you to not know anything about this movie, stop listening mm-hmm. now, please, and thank mm-hmm. you. I can't take that hypocrisy watch. Yeah. Uh, so background in history, this is a, a movie series your son has gotten really, really into. Yeah. Uh, there were two movies that came before it. And a lot of people, after I, after I got out of this movie, I tweeted that for, for me, as a fan of the pre- prior two movies, for me, this movie is by far the best movie I've seen all year. And already one of the the best movies i've ever seen uh, i don't know wow. how high i would put it i'm not going to say it's in like my top 5 or anything but it it you know when when a movie really hits home when you find that you leave the movie theater and that it's still on your mind days days later it, i can't say weeks because that's, cause it that's ha- the test hasn't that's been the that test. long wow the, the reviews for this are bananas yeah they're no no pun intended they're very good reviews uh-huh. and uh, and they have um it, it's cleaning up at the box office for good reason, uh, and but a lot of the, a lot of people after I tweeted about how much I enjoyed it said a couple things. One of the questions was, do they need to have seen the other two movies in order to enjoy this movie? And the answer is no. You 
you could go into this cold and I think you would still it would still be an entertaining movie, but it would just be a movie as opposed to the an, an important third part potentially conclusion to a trilogy. Um, you, you could you could see the third uh, you could just go in and see, you know, Return of the Jedi would Return of the Jedi be good by itself. Sure. But wouldn't it be better mm-hmm. if you had seen uh, a, a New Hope and also um, Empire Strikes Back? Like, yes, it would be even much better if you had. So it's the same thing here. I highly recommend watching the first two before you go and see it because y- you will have that much more investment and 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 it will be a complete story for you at that point. And without without spoiling anything, I think, or without spoiling too much, um, all three movies are really focused on the central character who is uh, Caesar, who starts out life... Well, I don't want to give too much away, but... Um, the, hmm. So they, they give the apes experimental Alzheimer's medicine. Okay. So you said it. So yes, right? they, they, give, um, they give several uh, chimpanzees this medicine, which is uh, eventually ALZ-113 is the one that, that's the big one. But as a result of giving it to them, they notice that uh, their cognitive performance, that essentially their intelligence is increased dramatically to the point where they essentially develop at, at least human level intelligence. Uh, and in the process of doing this, I mean, how much how much can I say that that's the premise of the first movie is what happens as a result of that. But a side effect of this, and again, there's certain spoilers here, but uh, nothing that, that, that you wouldn't know right away, uh, is that as a result of this, uh, this, this I guess, uh, treatment, it, it is essentially, it is a virus. But the virus... When it when uh, apes are exposed to it, their intelligence increases. When it's given to a human being, someone who has like Alzheimer's, they are also he- healed of the Alzheimer's, but in fact come back with a little bit more cognitive behavior or performance than they used to have. But oh. there is a downside to the virus, and that is, it's a virus that starts killing the whole population of the planet Earth, and that's movie two. That's uh, Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Um, is that the one in San Francisco? Yes. Uh, and uh, although all, all of them really take place in San Francisco, but the second one features that, San the Francisco. Production design, as, production design is amazing. Yeah. On uh, the second movie is great. All of these movies are good. I don't want to ruin anything more than, than this because they're really great movies, but I will say that the third movie, I went into it thinking it was going to like be a war movie. I went into it kind of prepared for lots of shooting and combat. And the opening scene is, is a combat type scene. There's a lot of shooting and things like that going on. Uh, and, and so I was sort of, okay, this is going to be like a war movie, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised and it, it, it wasn't a war movie. In fact, they're really including the first scene. There's only two scenes. I think that were really like that. It then goes back and focuses again the way that the first movies did very effectively on a, telling the story, the very personal story of Caesar and his friends and what happens with them. And it winds up being an incredibly uh, moving story about uh, morality and d- decisions that you make in your life and how to overcome um, feelings of, of hate and, and how to be uh, – how to be – 
a human being in many different ways. So it, it wow, winds up being... that sounds great. And I'll tell you what, like both me and my son were like crying at the end of it. And he's like, he gets out and he's like, dad, he's like, I was having to bite my finger to just not cry the whole time at the end. I'm like, me too. Uh, oh, and and yeah. then like, usually after we go in and see a movie on a, like a Sunday, uh, we'll like do the grocery shopping after that, you know, like a little thing, we'll pick up a lunch. And the whole time in the grocery store, he's like, He's like, you need to help me, Dad. Like, I can't, I can't focus on the groceries right now. Like, I just can't do mm. it. I'm like, I know, neither can I. So we just had to like wow. think about it. But like, it it was a great, great movie. And as far as the effects go, it's obviously uh, Andy Serkis doing the motion capture of Caesar and the other folks that worked with him. It's w- unlike the other two movies that led up to this. This movie is mostly the apes. Um, there, there are human beings in it. Woody Harrelson is does a great job as as a colonel uh, in in the movie, but it's it's all apes all the time, basically. But the effects mm-hmm. are so good now, and the detail that it, it is absolutely mind blowing. Because like we have Moana on like constant repeat in our home, and. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one kind of computer animation CGI, if you will. And then then you have this, which is so realistic. It's just unbelievable how how they've gotten this working. It, it, you you instantly yeah. forget that you're watching something that was created in a computer and you're like, OK, like I'm all in. It's great. I saw I saw Andy Serkis on uh, Colbert. He was very funny. Oh, yeah. And I think he's. I think very understandably kind of touchy about the whole, oh, you're just a guy walking around with ping pong balls. Like it's the computer that does all the work, <laughs> right. which is absolutely not true. I mean, you know, look at Mark Ruffalo right. in, in the Avengers, right. you know, but there's a, uh, I mean, like I say, he is actually, I think legitimately he's touchy about this. He's sick of people telling him that he's just a guy with a good voice and the computer does all the work. And, and they show, uh, I don't know if I can find the, it's whatever, whatever the last time he was on Colbert, you can find it. But basically they show this, this little quick bit of video that begins with him doing this very like intense scene and it's Andy Serkis and very slowly they layer in the effects to turn him into Caesar. Right. And it's mind boggling because as you're watching it, you can go, Oh yeah. Like that. I mean, sure. The computers did a lot of the heavy lifting, but that's him. Right. That's his performance right. that is being translated. It's, it's uh and I can see how that would be very moving. He's got, he's such, such a gifted guy. It really is. And, um, his movie just works. It just really, really works. And then, then he reads. Uh, he reads Donald Trump's tweets. Yeah, it's yep. pretty funny. Did you see this? Yes, I put it in the it's show notes. Funny. At least um, the part of it where he does Gollum uh, is is in it. Uh, but uh, July. He's good. 12th. He's also he's Snoke. That silly yes. character in Star yes. Wars. He's Martin. He's Martin Hannett in Twenty Four Hour Party People. He was King Kong in the Peter Jackson King Kong. He was the King Kong. Mm-hmm. That's right. Not the new Kong movie, which is also fun. Nope. Yep, yep, yep. Skull Island. Skull Island. It's a whole island of skulls. Nice little post-credit scene there for you. And you said that was um, a good monster fight em up movie, right? Uh, the King Kong movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of monsters running around. There's some cursing in it, not too much. Um, no sex of any kind. Um, and 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 the the for me, the one-minute post-credit scene made the whole movie. uh but it was it's a fun it's a fun movie it's a cool movie and uh kong is is pretty cool in it but i mean it doesn't get close to the war for the planet of the apes it is not even close but yeah so much so that after my son watched the first couple movies he started to want to see the old movies and so he's Mm -hmm. watched all of those as well and um in an in a non-ironic way he enjoys them and 
you know, this, uh, this new movie, I'll tell you what, like, yeah, it sounds a little intense yeah, for us. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man fun, enjoyable, go see did you it. Stay for this. Did you stay for the second after credits in that one? I thought I did. Well, you saw, you saw the one with the antagonist. Yeah. If you stated the very, 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 I read about this in my, uh, there's an app that tells you when to pee during a movie. Oh. It also tells you if there's after credit stuff and it says, no, 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 stay for the very, 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 very. And there's a short one at the end. That's very funny. No, I'll tell you about no, it I must air. not have seen that. Dang it. Oh, uh, I'll tell you about it off air. It's very funny. Well, anyway, highly, highly recommend this movie. Um, you know, there is some violence in it. A lot of it's, it sounds sad. It, I mean, there is. should be a tag for sad. It sounds like, you know, my daughter does not like the vulnerable people in danger genre. That was that not really puts her off. That was it, that was not really a big part of this movie. I mean, to some degree, there are chimps that are in peril at different parts of the movie, for sure. But this is not... Like, my son is all in with this kind of movie. I don't know if yeah. I would recommend this movie for a typical nine-year-old. Um, <laughs> I think that's probably a very advisable way to put that statement. <laughs> yeah, um, but... M- my son is is uh, all in with this kind of thing, so for him it it was fine. Nothing like Wolverine uh, in that way, and uh, but it but this is a mature movie. This is a mature movie, so mm. you, know, you would love it. I think you would love it. Well, I'm going to see Dunkirk because even though the trailers oh, were very loud, God. I heard it's awfully awful. I can't. Good. I can't. I just can't. Mm, can't even. I can't. I'm a big Harry Styles fan, so basically I'll watch anything he's in. Yeah, I will see, see it, but that. I just. Uh, it's going to be my first Alamo Drafthouse experience. I'm very excited. Oh, cool. That's right. You guys have them up there. I've never been to one. Never been to well, one. Well, I hope you like it. That's the only place I'll go to see a, a movie anymore. It's, you get spoiled so fast. Yeah. I wonder if the menus are the same and everything. Oh, but like they, you know, like they- They got cookies. You can get a flight of cookies. They got, they got drinks. They got sandwiches. They do a lot of things with, um, there's a company, Mondo, that I think started out doing t-shirts, but they do posters and, and lots of other things. And so whenever we go to a movie there, they'll always have some kind of, and it, it reminds me so much of my childhood going to like a Burger King and getting like a Sesame Street commemorative glass or something. But they, sure. they do commemorative, I'm assuming there's no lead in these like there was when we were kids, Mm-mm. but uh, they'll do commemorative glasses and they'll do um, like a special, like a like a book that comes out with the movie that has behind the scenes oh. stuff. And I'm a sucker for those. And they, I still have my, I still have my Superman book from going to the oh, movie. So cool. And enamel pins. We got the enamel pins. It's just awesome. It's just so cool. Also adventure time is back. Yes. It started yesterday. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, I but we got, it's supposed to be a good, I think it's a, is it a five episode arc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every day this week, there's a adventure time. I gotta, I gotta get on that. <sighs> We did it. We did it. Did it again. Did it again. If you want to find out more about, uh, hey, let's do, let's do a little bit of uh, of, of administrivia here. All right. Um, if you want to find show notes for this episode mm. three three two, Dan, where do people go is for it show three, notes? Three three two or three three three. Three 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 three. Three three two. Is it three three three? Yeah, it's three three three. Oh, Jiminy Christmas! It's triple three. Yeah, it's the triple trip. That means trip, trip. something. Trip trip. That feels momentous. What does that mean in uh, file permissions? Is there a three three three? Yes, um, mm, means only Jesus can access your files and his two friends. <laughs> no, three. See, that's kind of funny if you really think about that. That's funny on a lot. It's a visual joke in some ways. Uh, so where do they go? Five by five TV slash B is in brothers. Two is in the number. W is in women. 
and uh, slash three three three. And I'm trying to think of what a three 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 would be. That would be is that an octal dam? write and execute for owner group and others, hmm. uh, but not re- not read. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's kind of like the uh, health bill. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. <laughs>